1: Morning guys, Russ here, and I've got some exciting news for you all. Support from All Over Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Get 20% off of free delivery with the code MALLOVER20 at manscaped.com. Manscaped has just launched in the UK. And men have gone for years and years and years without having the right tools for the job. You can be one of the first men in the UK to experience their life-changing products. I know over the years I've struggled many times with personal grooming, shaving, creams, cutting yourself, all that sort of stuff. But none of that is a problem with the Manscaped redesigned electric trimmer. It features a cutting ceramic edge blade to reduce grooming accidents. 7,000 RPM motor which enables it to work seamlessly through even the thickest of hair. So, go get rid of that bush, make it clean and tidy and get 20% off and free delivery with the code MALLOVER20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free delivery with MALLOVER20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will definitely thank you. Now it's time for buying Habana. Hi
0: there, I'm Brian Abana and you're listening to the Mall Over Cod, oh, Cod Past.
3: Welcome to this week's Moreover Podcast, the only
1: rugby podcast that gives all the news, views, and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter. We are uh, at Moreover Podcast, We're Moreover Rugby Podcast on Facebook, and you can find all of our podcasts on Anchor and on Apple Pods, and hopefully soon to be on your Alexa. Although you know you'll have to check that for yourselves, uh, as well as the Google Store and, and all of the other um, good pod places. Uh, Doug, you're back this week. You missed last week, as I mentioned. You were very uh, neatly trimmed, balls deep in uh, in pre fourteen. How was that for you?
0: I would guess that I probably have the smoothest ball sack this side of the Thames.
1: Interesting. Not like north of the Thames, just
0: Uh, yeah, just north of the Thames. But um, this side of yeah, it's also it's it's nice not to be watching Pro 14 rugby. <laughs> Just, I mean... Because it's shit, are... Russ.
1: Yeah. I mean...
0: And that's what the premiership will be in two or three years if... Uh, no, Well, we've seen it, haven't we? But there you go. But let's,
1: we'll,
3: so, we'll... Doug, Doug, I don't spend much time watching the Pro 14, although I'm quite happy to slag it off without watching any of it. Is it really as shit as I think it is?
0: It's like... Um, it's like Pound Shop Super Rugby.
3: Okay. What optional defence? Optional op- defence. Limited um, players skills. you've never
0: heard of. <laughs> shit kits. And um you know, you're in West Wales. I mean what's the only good thing about that whole adventure is that I got paid and got a haircut. Yeah, you look good. Cheers,
1: oh, so, so you went? So they were allowing haircuts in Wales. Were you allowed yeah. to stroll into a barbers?
0: Yeah, yeah. Was, so there was like did a you get few sh- cameramen you outside the barbers shop. <laughs> was you this on your, on your head? Or
3: was, this, was this on your head, or was this somewhere
0: else? Well, I, I took care of that myself. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Thanks, manscaped. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you actually went to Wales and got shawl? Yeah. Technically. Yeah. Nice. Um, you've already you already heard, uh, uh, and also extremely hairless uh, body wise. Um, Houselist favourite Phil Farm Vet. How you doing, Phil?
3: Yeah, it's uh, it's all a bit breezy down here. I mean,
0: Crazy. if word gets out that Phil is now perfectly manicured, and, <laughs> and, I mean, there's you can't polish your You'll see the dust cloud rising from women from the <laughs> southern counties stampeding to Mid Cornwall, all all the way down the A30. Yeah, just 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 to run a finger along his
2: dust line. <laughs> Lockdown uh. be damned.
3: We really are appealing to two of our audience here, aren't we? Stop!
0: Stop coming. There's going to be a sign on the bridges in the way in the Cornmill. There, (laughs) stop coming here. He's married. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it wouldn't. It won't be the
1: the the hordes of holiday makers coming to spend some time along the Cornish beaches. It will be the hordes
2: of the southern counties. (laughs) Trying to trying to get to Phil's tideline. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: nice. And the nicest guy in Cornish rugby podcasting uh, based just outside of Goonavon. Uh, welcome Ben. You well? I'm good. Thanks mate. Good. 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 Um, hopefully today is a return to, to team sports return to outdoor activities. Hopefully you are all got your plans for uh, for Hornets and the minis, Phil. And uh, Ben, I hope you're going to be getting to pre preseason. are you going gonna... yeah. eh.
3: seniors to... Kicks, seniors kicks off on Wednesday, kids kick off on Friday.
2: Lovely. My, my theory is there's going to be lots of people interested in getting back to sport. So uh, there should be enough second team games for me to... Rock up at. Rock up at, yeah.
0: Maybe I can get down there for a seconds game this year. That would be incredible. Yeah get all four of us out in the paddock and get it filmed for TV. (laughs) Uh, No one needs to watch that.
1: (laughs) That's that's true. That's true. Um, Right. Let's, uh, let's start with, let's start with the six nations, the wrap up of Friday night, Um, Scotland beating France in Paris for the first time since 1999. Is that right? They, they made enough of it. I'm just pretty sure I haven't got the the, uh, the year right. Um, France, the masters of their own downfall, really, where they could have just kicked the ball out, knowing that even what what puzzled me is that the clock was in the red. They could only have got one score, so they were not going like, to challenge um, Wales for the championship because they needed to win by 20 points. Yet Doolan tried to, to run out of his own 22, got turned over. Um, when he could have just kicked it out. It was all a bit odd, well,
3: Phil. Maybe they were paid per um, per point that they get in the championship in terms of a bonus point gets me level on points with Wales and, and there's a bit of a bonus in that for them. But you, you're right. They basically threw it away. No disrespect to Scotland because it was a, it was another one of those good games that France have had. France have been involved in a few good games over the last month or so. Um, but in all honesty, if it's not that kind of jeopardy situation where France have to score tr- two tries, win by 20 on points, I think they'd probably cruise it fairly easily. I think the pressure told in the first half, they didn't turn up the way they should have done, passes not going to hand, kicks skewing off the side of the boot, not going where they're intended, just all a little bit disjointed. And some credit to the, for that has to go to Scotland for getting in their faces, but... Um No doubt Sean Edwards would have been absolutely fuming at half time um when uh, uh, when they went in only three points up thirteen ten um and also if you are going for four if you are have having to score four tries, I think they start kicking penalties a bit early. I think they should have been going to the corner and trying to force that, but any other game where you 're not in this situation, everybody was saying oh it 's going to be easier for France because they know what they have to do to win the championship. Any other game, if that's in, in the middle of the tournament, 80, 80 minutes comes up, Dulang puts that ball out and France win that match.
1: Yeah. Can we can we have a bit of a chat about the wider the wider six nations before we get back into the game because you know there was a there was a red card
3: which was shock horror.
1: Shock, yeah. Um, there was the pedo um, try, which Phil you might know we were talking a little bit pre pod. Is around yeah. could they have? Get, should should Wayne Barnes have given a penalty try in that situation? Because if Dulan, if if Watson hadn't taken out Dulan, uh, Dulan, if he hadn't taken out Peno, right, there is a likelihood Peno could have just picked that ball up and tried under the posts, and France take seven points. But as it was, they didn't. They scored in the corner. Um Barnes explained to Oliver on well, why you scored the try anyway, and then and to miss the kick, so they only get five points.
3: So um, not only do they only get five points, but um, I'll take your word for it that it was Watson uh, would have gone he, to the bin. Uh,
1: Hamish Watson, yeah,
3: would have gone to the bin as well for ten minutes. Yeah. Um, now I'm paraphrasing what I think is Law 8.3 here, um, which basically says that a penalty try should be awarded if found play. Stops uh, prevents a try, or prevents a try being uh, pre- prevents a probable try, or prevents a a try being probably scored in a more advantageous position. So you take the first bit out of it because it hasn't prevented a try. The question is, has it probably? And it's definitely foul play. There's no two ways about it. It's not technical infringement. He's taken a man out without the ball. The question is, would it probably? Have been scored in a better position, or would in reality Penno have just dived on the ball and taken the try? Now, Barnes has obviously taken the view that he was going to dive on the, on the ball and score the try anyway. Um, but it's, a, it's been a frustration of mine for a while because it, it seems a bit like you're enforcing negative play. Because if Penno in that situation is clever, he knocks the ball on deliberately or he fails to ground it or, or, or makes a dive, gets a penalty try, gets, gets Watson sin sinbinned, and they've got a 10-man advantage. But do we really want to be forcing the game down that route? So to me, if you've got a technical infringement, uh, they just need to modify the rule that says, um, if you've got a foul play infringement, and even if the, score, the try is scored, it automatically becomes a seven-point try and a sin binning, but the try gets awarded to the person who scores the try. Because actually, you don't want to take that try away from Penno and his stats. You just need to modify it and say, "Look, you've you've create, you've done a f- effectively a professional foul, as it would have been turned in in football parlance of the '90s. You've got to have some kind of punishment for that. Make it an automatic seven points. Give the give the kickers a freebie and a sim binning, but award the try to the person who scores the try. That would be my solution. But by the letter of the law, Barnes has probably done the right thing."
2: Cool, Ben. You wanted to come in there because um, yeah, yeah. As a side point, I, he probably got a little bit caught up in what a brilliant try it was. It and was he, a brilliant. He, try. Probably in the back <laughs> of his mind, as if I declare that as a penalty try, you know, it kind of takes the gloss off it. But so, whether that was a um, any part of his thinking, I don't know. But certainly, the commentary team seemed pleased he'd given it as a try. But it's, it's the wider point on it is is the laws of rugby. Aren't fit for purpose in uh, with for video replay. There's been about four times in this tournament where something like this has happened, which isn't commonplace and it's not, it's not part of the laws in terms of it's not specifically stated what the correct decision is. There was like Johnny May's dive into the corner, uh, perhaps the Welsh tries as well against England, where. In the old days with no video replay, the fact that that
3: Hanoi would have been
2: fine and that no one would have had a second word to say about it. But because there was a video replay where, okay, well, he's deliberately fouled fouled him. Was it Watson or was it Price? But, you know, either way, then. then Have I got it wrong? I didn't know. I
1: thought it was Watson.
2: I I thought it was Price, but you could well be right. But, you know, so then, then you've got to make the decision, well, did he do it on purpose? Then you've got to make the decision, would he have scored it under the post? Then you've got to make the other so, decision.
3: So having Oops. recently done jury service and also spent a lot of time battling with numpties on Twitter about the, the pseudo-legal process within, the, within rugby... The laws and the way they're written have a large degree of ambiguity. They are not black and white. There's people out there saying it's oh, it's absolutely black and white, the laws. If you break the law, you get the punishment. The laws are not black and white. You put the word probable in there, that is adding a massive grey area. Now, how probable does probable have to be? Is probable 50% of the time they do better? Probably technically. But does it have to be 60% of the time the try would have been scored in a better area if it wasn't for the foul? And you're asking somebody to make a judgment call on what's, on what's probable and what's not. And when you get those kind of grey areas, it just leads to conversations like this. And I think the issue is you cannot make them black and white. You cannot make the laws black and white. And it comes down to a degree of guidance. I think Barnes has made the right call according to what's written down, but the wrong call according to a fair result, if that makes sense.
2: Phil, what you, Phil what you said is right, in that he should have been allowed to just put the give them the two points.
3: Yeah,
2: uh, but he's not. So, like you say, he's probably made the right decision. But if you take away the breakdown, the line out, and the scrum, then a lot of the laws we're we're using are probably fifty years old, and some of them are, some of them are probably closer to one hundred and fifty years old. Yeah, and and they're not cut out to bear scrutiny under. A sort of well, multi million pound industry and all the television replays. It's, it, well, if you, if you, you, know, you take the
3: forward pass regulation, for example, the interpretations around that have changed massively over the last 10, 15 years in three or four different ways. It used to be if the hands are going backwards, but your, your momentum carries it forwards. But then it's what about a lateral pass? And then it's, I don't know, it's gone all over the shop. And the same with deliberate knock ons. Deli- a deliberate, what is a deliberate knock-on? A deliberate, to define something as deliberate, you have to be in the psyche of the person doing it. You have to say you intended to do that. Whereas now what they've done is they've given guidelines that say, actually, if your hand's pointing down, in all likelihood, you're probably not trying to catch it. But we've all seen absolute worldies stick a hand out and the ball just sticks and they run with it.
1: And we can, we can, we can talk about a couple of those, because there was a number of those incidents, incidents in the, say, a wasps game on saturday and uh uh, you know it was it was mental but you know to me a, a slight you're right ben first of all correction it was ali price not watson you know watson does a lot of amazing stuff he didn't do that um and second of all like how hard would it be like a very simple law amendment that says in that situation where there's clearly foul play try was scored in the corner however The try is awarded underneath the posts. Go and kick your conversion from underneath the posts. And, you know, we move on from there. It's a yellow card because it was foul play. You get your seven points, but your try is awarded under the posts, as it were. Or you get your kick from in front of the posts because of that foul play. Then it's not a penalty try. You still have to take the kick.
3: and Because I I don't want to see, I don't think anybody wants to see six penalty tries in a match. But pretty much, I don't know, 90% of the tries that, and I've made that number up and it's clearly wrong, that Exeter score from the, the driving malls could be awarded as penalty tries because somebody's there trying to drag the thing down, but they happen to score the try. Do you want to see a penalty try every time that happens? No, but, of course you don't. I, but, I think
1: every time, but you say that though, every every single five metre line out that goes into a, into a driving mall, that the defending team brings down. If that if that mall is moving, the likelihood is they're gonna score a try. So literally every single, by that logic, every single driving mall five metres out that is moving could be a penalty try.
3: Yeah, could be. Yeah. Um, but we don't we don't necessarily wanna see that. You just wanna have the opportunity for the ref to go, you know what? You've you've deliberately gone out to try and break the laws here to prevent a try being scored. There needs to be some kind of retribution for that.
0: You know what the retribution for that used to be?
3: A shoeing at the next ruck?
0: Exactly. <laughs> and do you know what you never used to get a lot of?
3: People Cards. collapsing
0: rucks five metres out because they get shooed to smithereens.
3: Yeah, not, not for what... Price Watson did in the Scotland-France game because there's nobody well, the, else near him. The, the mall yeah,
1: right. would go straight over the top of them and they would be yeah. eating studs. Yeah. They would be picking studs out of their skin for the
0: next that, fortnight. That's a larger point. That I think that's now why rugby is like it is because there is no self-policing element. There's no fear to any of it. Do what you want. Lie on the wrong side. You're not going to get shooed.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, and I think that's I think that's uh, I, I'm not sure we want to go back to the the rocking of the of the 80s 90s necessarily, but a little bit of it every now and then. Not people running from 20 yards away with their feet two foot in the air, waiting to to land on somebody. But as far as I'm concerned, if a player's lying on the wrong side, you ought to be able to give him a bit of slipper on his backs. <laughs> not not on yeah. it, don't stand on his, his head. knees or on his head, but all over his yeah. back, all over his belly. Bits that don't don't break too much. And yeah, and if and and then in the change rooms afterwards, you slap a bit of aftershave on just to make sure that he remembers who did it.
0: <laughs> I, I think um, you know the usual crowd will say, "Oh, you're dinosaurs, you are this, you that." But rugby's in the status in because there is no fear of retribution. Ellis Genge can be as big a knobhead as he wants because no one's going to actually punch him. Yeah, you know, and and that's how it's you know got to where that, it is at the moment, I feel.
1: Ellis Genge highlights a point that I want to bring up a bit later on.
0: Yeah, well, so, yeah.
1: But yeah, you're right. And, and Ellis, again, you know, Genge isn't the only one. There are a lot of people of that nature, you know. Joe Marla, for instance. There, there are lots of people out there that maybe wouldn't act the way they do now if there were certain
0: other people.
1: Um, have you seen that Martin Bayfield story with Wade Dooley and the, the Frenchman?
0: Yeah, look, you've, all you've got to do is look at the amount of props with straight noses to know that they can get away with whatever they want to at the moment.
3: <laughs> and and let's be honest, class will always shine through. I, I think someone like Richie McCall would have got well, as, a reasonable, as it, as a reasonable amount of shoeing, but he still would have been an amazing player. In the same way that Neil Back, I'm sure, has, has some... Tasty marks on his back at various times during the games, but it didn't stop him being an amazing player. It just kept him on the right side more often than he was on the wrong side.
1: And you could you could argue you could argue that the point of the players being more aware actually the offending players are more aware. So, mm. so you are more alert. You are more you know you know you're going to get a shoe in. So you get yourself into a nice tiny little ball.
0: And, and you, yeah, like and we're, we're, we're old enough yeah. to remember like school rugby, and that's still happening, right? Yeah, but course, I think a lot of pro players rugby. now have never been shooed in their life.
3: No, it was probably uh, it was probably when I moved to Devon. So when would that have been? Two thousand and five. That that it stopped. But playing up in Scotland in the early two thousands, yeah, most games I got the crap shooed out of me. And and actually, I saw it as a bit of a badge of honour because it meant that I was annoying the opposition. But I didn't do it too much because it flipping hurt. The other thing that shooting <laughs> does is it keeps centres out of rucks.
2: <laughs> and full-backs.
3: And full-backs, yeah.
2: Just backs in
0: general, really. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, Ben can count on, you know, on maybe one of his uh, hands how many rucks he's been in. Um, probably seven. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh... So on the fingers of one hand, yeah. Uh, that's what I, yeah. That's what I meant to say. Oh, sorry, I, I didn't mean. Yeah. For, for the purposes I, um, <laughs> of a joke, <laughs> I just say yes. That joke, didn't I? Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I said to you in the like before we came on, started recording that I watched, um, Leicester against Sale in the Pilkington Cup Final '97, and I they vividly remember uh, this brought back to me from this conversation that there was a. I think maybe the, the sale fullback took ball into contact got tackled knew he was going to get you know turned over and immediately went fetal put his head like hands over his head and yeah
1: forget about the ball yeah he wasn't trying to hold on to the ball it was fucking like yeah yeah, yeah.
0: and so and, and but it was a turnover and you know what there wasn't any jacqueline so there were no crocodile rolls there was no neck rolls there was none of that stuff because the fear of getting shooed. Meant that taking the ball into isolated contact would result in a turnover. The yeah. reason you have jackals and all this now is because people hold on to the ball at the bottom of rucks. Yeah. Anyway,
1: that's a very good
2: point.
3: Yeah. Well, and the reason that's the reason jackals end up being a problem is because that player who's been tackled is there with his hands on the ball, whereas...
0: it. and he's still holding on. But look yeah, at... I've yeah. seen so see look it so at... many times in a game where the ball. The bloke that's been tackled gets jackaled, gets picked up, dragged backwards with the ball, and the bloke that's dragging him backwards gets told to release and the ball comes back. If he's doing what he's supposed to do, that shouldn't happen. But he's not scared of holding onto the ball because he's not going to get hurt.
3: Whereas, whereas 20 years ago, he has the first person comes in, has his hands on the ball, and the second and third are jumping all over his back.
0: Yeah. yeah. Exactly,
1: and 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 for clarity, and head and knees, yeah. And the first <laughs> thing he wants to do is get that. But the, well, the last place he wants to be is on the floor on his own. And the first thing he wants to do is go fuck the ball. You can yeah. have it, lads. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> have it, mate. Because to be honest, you're going to drop it in 30 seconds anyway.
1: Yeah, there'll be a scrum in a minute. It's not a
0: problem. <laughs> have I complimented you on your nice cotton jersey? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I I look, I, I was going to bring it up later, but I'd urge you to watch just that game. It's a terrible game. It finishes nine three, but the difference. Ben. Yeah. I, ter- yeah, but it, I mean, the goal kicking's awful. It's Joel Stransky's play at the kicking for Leicester, and um, it's terrible. Uh, the kicking's out of hand is awful. But I tell you what, the game is breathless. It doesn't stop. You know, line outs, the ball goes out of play and it's back in within 10 seconds. You know, scrums, they reset, they get up, they go again. The game was, I felt, felt exhausting because it was so fast. And we've just become used to this slow, deliberate game with beasts of men running around, bashing each other, giving each other concussions. That game was more brutal than any game I've seen this season. No one went off injured. You know, there wasn't eight substitutions.
1: Who was saving them from the sales, they eh, dug?
0: Well, it just I... seems like the unintended consequence of all these rule changes to make things safer is that actually it's just resulted in making the game way more unsafe.
3: It's an, it's an interesting point, actually, because you've got Steve Thompson and... Lippmann and all kinds of other people coming out of the woodwork now um about uh C- CTEs. What about, where's the people from 10 years before that complaining about it? Or 20 yeah. years before that complaining about it?
0: I, I,
2: think I they, don't know. They, I think they, they hit problem... a sweet
0: spot of just lawlessness going into professionalism. Yeah. yeah. That potentially players being just a bit bigger and playing on those rules. That That's the problem. And dangerous, and... but... They also so what, coincided with a lot of substitutions so that players could be bigger anyway.
2: It's the so, 10 years so, before people started realising it was a problem, isn't it? Between yeah. professionalism and, and... So, so what you're
3: saying is the amateur game, it should just be free-for-all and go back to the rules from 20-odd years ago, 30-odd years ago. Well, the, the amateur so because game
2: Because everybody
3: was, was fine for
1: that. But uh, the amateur game... And, uh, so, so they change. They change the professional game. They change rugby as a as a whole product as a sport. And those rules filter down to the to the amateur game. Now, in the amateur game, and for the Hornets or whatever, right? You you turn up and you're only allowed three subs.
0: Am I right? Yeah. Or has it gone up to five?
1: Uh, and they're interchanges,
0: aren't they? So you can roll yeah. in subs. Yeah, but
1: there was a point where you'd get seven seven substitutes in a professional game but only 3 and i've been in squads where you were only allowed 3 to name 3 substitutes in and, a western and, counties match and it's like and, and one of them
3: has to cover the entire front row so you have this correct. you have this position where you're saying people have to be trained and understand to be able to play there but one person can cover all three of those positions
0: yeah which when think, you're which when you're on the you bench
3: as a hooker having never propped in your life is um yeah you're kind of yeah. hoping the
0: props can see through 80 minutes. but um, I think the amateur game much more closely resembles the game from the 90s. The other, the other thing about the amateur
3: game, uh, and, and it's one of my personal bugbears, is that rugby talks about how it needs to take head injury seriously and it's doing everything it can. If you get concussed in the amateur game now, it's, it's a month out, pretty much. It's three weeks before you're allowed to run again and then you have to go through various different stages before you can get anywhere near a pitch. In a, in the professional game, you can be back on the pitch in eight days' time. They're doing no, no diagnostics in that time. They're checking for symptoms in the player. Now, if repeated injuries is what's causing it, enough to the stage where you have to sit out a month in the amateur game. If they took the health and safety of professional rugby players seriously, they'd say, actually, no, if you're concussed, you've got to sit on the sidelines for at least a month. And if they did that very quickly, clubs would change the way they do things because they can't afford to have all these players out for a month at a time.
1: But no one left, Phil.
3: Well, exactly. So they'd, they'd have to change the way they do things. But coming back to where I think this all started... Actually, I don't know where this all started because it's me, it's me,
1: been, either, mate. Been,
3: it's, been, it's been quite, dis- it's, quite it's my, dis- it's my dis- job to know. But, it's um, my job to know, apparently. I have no idea. I, I think on the health and safety aspect of it, it's got to the stage now, and I'm sure this is something we were going to cover anyway. It's got to the stage now where people are getting sent off for uh, God knows what for accidents, for sheer accidents. So- and, not even, and not even accidents of theirs, accidents of other players.
1: Yeah, right. So let's so let's let's not necessarily break each what each one down, but Finn oh. Russell got sent off on Friday night for what was essentially a handoff that was kind of missed, and then there was contact. Like he wasn't outstretched, elbowing him in the face, but it it went f- what I saw on the replay was shoulder sort of neck area, right, and. It's now gone from head concussions, all of that, to, oh, well, it's a neck area. That's a red card, too. So it, well,
0: just, I, I just take offence at the, well, not offence, but I, I just get annoyed by the fact that it's all referred to as foul play. And in a lot of instances, it's not foul play. It's mistimed or it's just, you know, Tom Dunn's was stupid. But that was never going to hurt anyone. He wasn't going to concuss anyone. He just got... he. It was almost like an involuntary reaction to put his arm up to protect him. It's like with these gouges that are just gone. Do you want to tell a South African from the two, early 2000s that either of those are eye gouges?
3: So, go. Let's, let's look at the Tom Dunn one then. The guy's run into him. Tom Dunn is stationary. He hasn't moved his feet in the slightest. And the guy's run into him and he's brought his arm up to defend himself. And he's got sent off for it. So, and all that's going to do... And it's a, it's a dummy runner that the ball's gone behind. All that's going to do is encourage them. If, basically, there's going to be coaches out there going, if you're, if you're running a dummy line, make sure you run straight at somebody. Because there's a chance that they might react to something and we get a penalty out of it or even or a red card on their side. It's an absolute joke.
0: I, I just... I don't see... Now that the precedent's been set as to what the actual... L- entry level for a red card is so unbelievably low low i don't see how you recover from that if anything it gets worse right so
3: i think the only way it recovers is if people start grafting their arms off their hips
0: i am so you, you get a red card if you put your arm up to defend yourself you get you get a red card if your arm's tucked when you go into a ruck you get a yellow card if you put your arm over a shoulder, in a tackle. Right. The, was, it's like they're the, trying to make this target zone of like just below rib level to just above the pelvis. That's the only place you're allowed to tackle someone. But in a dynamic game that's uh, played at the professional level, the margins are so small, it's just never going to happen. You might get five of those tackles a game. What was
3: the was it was it Newcastle game? Was there a red card in Newcastle game?
0: Yeah, uh,
1: no, it was Cobra's Visa, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, it wasn't a red card, was it?
1: No, it wasn't a red.
3: card. No, it, was, it, it must have been. Oh, was it Ashton's card? I'm trying to remember. Who it so I've seen Ashton's. I run. saw. I saw a red card, and basically, fullback or a winger. It might. It might not even have been this weekend, but fullback or a winger's running down the the wing, goes to cut inside the player, loses. Oh, it's J- Josh Bassett. Um, was the the runner with the ball? goes to cut inside and loses his footing and drops into the arm of the tackler, whose arm oh, is... Uh, Luke, Luke James. Luke James, that's right, yeah. Whose arm is literally at kind of midway between nipple and belly height. But because Bassett loses his outside foot, he drops into that arm that's there. And the, and the rest, I think it's, it might have been Christoph Ridley, said, oh, he's made he's made no effort to get out of the way of it. He's got like... A third of a second whilst moving forwards to make a tackle to realise that Bassett's dropping to the floor by himself to get out of the way of him. What an absolute joke. What's it? What, the f- what on earth is he supposed to do as a player? The only way he could have got away with that without, um, without getting carded is actually to lift his arm even higher so that Bassett goes underneath,
1: underneath it. Underneath it, yeah. And but then
0: that, what I, happens? I think Which goes all, entirely against
3: all instinct.
0: I think that's what a lot of these referees are now starting to they've lost the ability to see an accident yeah. and it's not their fault because they that's what they're instructed and that's how they've been in, been told to referee games you you take all element of um empathy or um, knowledge of the game and how it works you take that out of it and you have a legal framework which you've got to adhere to and that takes out any sort of semblance of well he can't get out of the way it's either but, did he or didn't he there is the no thing, the thing well, that's maybe even
3: worse about that is it's not his accident it's Bassett's accident that's caused it. It's not like... It's, say, one, isn't it? where it's, it's he not like ran you can it. say Sam James is reckless by what he's doing. Bassett's tripped over and fallen into him. It's like saying you get, you get hit by a car. You've got to pay for the damage to the car. We,
2: we, we said this the other week, didn't we? That the, the framework doesn't take into account at all the concept of a cheap shot. There, yeah. there was that
0: red card... Well, that was or, like V says yesterday when he, when he did jo- John Walsh. Yeah. Or Welsh. You know, that's a red card because that was in at the side and he had an open rib. He knew what he was doing. He was yeah. trying to break the guy's ribs. Or his,
2: or his arm. Because I think he dislocated his shoulder in the end, didn't he? He but, dislocated
1: his shoulder, didn't he? But,
2: but the, the one I'm thinking of is the one on Harris in one of the Gloucester games where it was it was such an obvious cheap shot. But because he caught him in the shoulder rather than directly in the head, it was just a penalty. And... Mm. And, and there's no, there's no, there's no adjustment for that. You know, I saw someone on Twitter the, the other day. They were like, "Oh, here goes another old ex-player. When will they ever learn that these are red cards nowadays?" And it's like, it's like, it's all very well like saying stuff like that, but you know, I mean, take away the absurdity of what does someone like Brian O'Driscoll know about rugby? Um, it's also that they. They know what a cheap shot is and they know what an accident is whereas if you've just got a spreadsheet that tells you what's a red card you haven't got that
0: well, um,
2: leeway i mean i watched about three minutes of highlights from the um 09 lions south africa second test probably might be one of the best three games of all time i hate to think how many red cards there would have been in that game if you think Berger should have gone anyway, but O'Gara would have gone. O'Driscoll would have gone. You know, but it would it's have been... The same, it's the same. It would have been 11 aside. But why, what was good about that game? It wasn't, it wasn't the triple miss moves that both teams weren't doing. It was that that game was balls out ferocious for 80 minutes. Traditional. And yeah. I think if you asked anyone...
0: That is into rugby. If you would rather have super rugby style 58 39 games or a 15 12 where both teams knock the living piss out of each other for 80 minutes, every single one of them is going to say the 15 12 knock the living piss out of each other.
3: Well, if you
0: look at apart what, what from are the, the people who are you know concussion crusaders,
3: what are the compilation videos on YouTube or that get circulated on Facebook? They're not. A compilation of the most amazing backs moves off first phase that score tries. No. They're compilations of the biggest hits. I mean, how I think we should. How many not players together. can Courtney Laws break?
0: Yeah, I think we should knock <laughs> together a um, you know, a safest tackles montage <laughs> or a perfectly reset scrum.
1: <laughs> you won't you <laughs> find one.
0: I mean, the absolute circle wank that's going on about George Ford's spiral bombs like he's like like he's invented some kind of nuclear fusion. It's just, you know, if that if that's what's exciting about rugby now, somebody punting a ball up into the air that nobody can catch, then Jesus Christ has the game got a problem. It's, you know. Everyone got a little bit excited about a little bit of afters or befores (laughs) in the Newcastle-Leicester game. Everyone, everyone was sitting there going, cannot wait for the first scrum. But we might not see another event like that for 18 months, two years. I can't remember the last time. Nothing gets people watching rugby like Julian White sparking out Andrew Sheridan. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Yeah. And and the game has lost that. It's lost it and it will, I, it's never coming back and I think it's the worst for it.
1: And that and that's the thing like that Ginge and and uh, Welsh thing was absolutely like it was less than nothing. Like the, it was literally nothing. And um
3: and, uh, uh, I'm assuming Gen just has said something. That's probably on Welsh's skin at yeah, some point. Gen which, just which
0: is... off, and John Welsh is a bit old school, isn't he? And he's just for, you know, I'm not having I'm it. Have to. But yeah. mate, he was skating backwards, weren't he? When <laughs> Welsh came up, to yeah. It. Honestly, he looked like an NHL defender. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, yeah, but just on just on that one, you know, there were some friends of ours on Twitter yesterday, um, and I used the term friends loosely. Um, scapegoat, or you know, scapegoating Cobus Visa, and you know he's had a couple of red cards and a couple of yellows this season. But saying that, oh yeah, you know, something's happened. They've deliberately targeted. They did because of what happened before the game. They deliberately targeted John Welsh there. Yeah, he's been targeted. I think now, he targeted
0: the player, but like yeah, you said, I don't think he had any idea who it was. He who saw yeah. You know, he saw an open set of ribs, didn't he? Yeah, You're absolutely. Gonna, you know.
1: it's it's not premeditated it's not like it's not he's not gone out there to do John Walsh I mean like you say he's probably gone there to do one of them he's gone (laughs) there to do someone absolutely you can't argue against that because that is it's not good but I mean I you know
0: I feel bad for John Walsh because I've got a real soft spot for him because he just looks like an alcoholic Glaswegian
1: (laughs) well did you see the other thing did you see on um fucking hell um John Barkley and somebody else were on um, on Twitter. So Somebody said, oh, no, it's Ryan Wilson, who said, uh, it's a good job somebody got in the way because John Welsh was a, would literally have flattened Ellis Genge. <laughs> somebody, somebody, somebody else has gone, oh, no, wouldn't. Fucking Ellis Genge you know, is know, his nails or whatever. And John Barkley has just replied to Ryan Wilson, just one word, just saying, correct. <laughs> um, and someone, someone has decided to quote-tweet John Barkley and at the BBC, because obviously he did punditry in the BBC over the Six Nations, and suggests that, oh, is who this did? how who, who, just who some quite... random circle wanker... Uh, who, not who, Lana, who, then. Who, who then uh, no, not, not Galana, um, <laughs> who decided to to tweet the BBC and say, is this how you believe your uh, pundits oh, should oh, be, should oh, be oh, acting, um, condoning <laughs> violence? Wasn't condoning anything. He was just agreeing with a former teammate. Yeah, yeah, he would. He would, absolutely. And that, and that's the. I mean, it's almost the fucking root cause of everything at the moment, isn't it? Um, social media.
2: Well, still, good news about France Scotland, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Is that where this started? Yeah, half an hour yeah. ago. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah.
0: The problem rugby has also got now is that there's two very distinct camps of rugby people, right? There's the blokes like us who are, you know, cross the generations between amateur and pro, and then there's people that have picked it up recently or are a bit younger who are into all the concussion stuff. And unfortunately, they're all loud whinging bitches who are going to make the RFU and World Rugby sit up and take notice of their loud, whinging bitching. And people like us are going, no, but we liked rugby before, mate. Like, can't you just leave it alone? Why do you tits have to come over here and ruin everything? Like, Ben, you've sent a little message into our group, which quite adequately sums up what's happening here. We are shouting at clouds. But it's because we're watching a product that's borderline unwatchable at the moment. And it came from such a place of essentially just the last thing that was truly gladiatorial outside of combat sports. Right. I remember watching six nations matches with my dad, who's a football player. And he would be wincing at the television with just but would have just the most unbelievable respect for anyone that would want to go and do that. And the people that enjoyed it, um, And now we've got to a point where it's a bit like Sunday League football now. You've got a load of gobshites who throw their weight around, knowing that nothing's going to happen. You've got referees who want to be centre of attention, rules that are just nonsensical at times. Even the punditry... And I've got to be a bit careful, obviously, because of work and whatever. But I feel like even the punditry now is so geared towards criticising refereeing decisions, and asking for cards, and analysing the minutiae of you know, well, he's led with the forearm and it's hit, it's hit his, it's hit his um, thorax or whatever. You know, it, it just seems like it makes me. Potentially, I am a dinosaur, and maybe, you know, Georgie Bingham and all those people are right, but the product that they want is fundamentally unwatchable.
3: Listen, um, there is a group of commentators out there, Delalio, Monia, Kay, who do exactly what you say. They They are there to hyper hypercritically analyzed decisions that are made and to to and they and for ex players they, they actually put absolutely zero contextualization into what happens and what has happened on a rugby pitch. I really don't like the guy, but in this regard, I actually think Austin Healy does a pretty good job of, of standing up for the players and going
0: I couldn't agree more. I think he's what, fantastic. What else has he got yeah. to do?
3: He, he has he has no other option. Uh, I and... think
0: Hugo at the weekend on the Sunday game, he just spent the whole of half time saying, "Well, that should have been a red card. That should have been a red card. That should have been a red card." It's like, what about some of the? You know, did some rugby happen or not? I don't. But uh,
3: but I think it's a I think it's a symptom of the way society is at the moment and brexit and coronavirus and various other things all people want to do is hyper analyze shit instead of just enjoying the product that's in front of them
2: the the other thing i think is a is a factor is um i think it's happened with nearly every sport i think the authorities of these sports get into their head that more points equals more entertainment Mm. so you get it you get it with that's why but, you've got the 20, the 20 and the hundred, because there's more runs scored more quickly. But it it takes away from the game because the, the bowlers haven't got a chance. And there's no you know, close fielding, anything like that. You and get, all the you, pitches
0: it, become roads.
2: Yeah. You've got it with NFL in that you can't touch the quarterback anymore, every like decent hit gets flagged. And but the game's got more popular because there's more attacking. And rugby's, you know, there's there's this view that the super, you know, some people love super rugby because it's so attacking, and I think what they found is that the more rules that they bring in for safety, they usually affect the defensive side of the game. So they're producing more points, and I think so. There's no from the from the official. Sources, there's no real pushback on it because they're like, oh well, if we stop tackles in midfield or, or or someone gets sent off, it opens up more space in the pitch. Then we're going to have more points and more people are going to watch, and we'll be bigger than football one day, which just isn't going to happen.
0: It's it's the nonsense of not catering to the people that you already have. It's this constant need to get new people in, and I understand it. You know, they want to sell this and they want to sell that, but. If you alienate your core audience, new people aren't going to watch anyway. Because there's going to be no one that says, you should try watching rugby. If you are bored of football, come and watch some rugby. Because the people that are actually already rugby fans aren't going to be watching because they'll be so put off by the product. And I think that's where the premiership is getting to. They've got this huge desire to get new people to watch but they're not catering for the people that already do. And they're taking away everything that brought us four together. Most of the people that listen to us, you know, most of the other people that do podcasts, you know, that they're, they're alienate, alienating, those people to try and get, I, I don't even know who these new people are that they think they're going to attract because you ain't, you ain't getting Brian down the pub who watches every Man United game on Sky to watch rugby? It's just not happening.
3: You know what? I That's why I think Ellis Genge is pretty good for brand rugby because he does get some people talking about it and potentially wanting to watch a bit of what he does. Yeah,
0: but what what happens to Ellis Genge? Fifty percent of people. I mean, we've already called him a knobhead on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know, but and he is knob, a knobhead. But
3: but knobheads are sometimes I, I mean, good. I good wouldn't for say that to your face
0: if you are listening. this, you'd probably you'd, you'd smash me to the moon. But, but for what what it's worth, Ellis. I, I don't think you're a knobhead. It's the other three. <laughs> he's that, actually. That, that's he's not a little bit I don't like it. I like having knobheads
2: in the sport. He's <laughs> a little bit like um, Mickey you Skinner, figure, doesn't it? Mickey Skinner was a bit of a knobhead, but pe- people loved him, didn't they? They, oh, I they, they got a knobhead. Yeah. I, 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 I th- if you going back to who was it at the pub? That, uh, was it Brian. Big Brian? Big Brian. No, Brian. If you're sat in the pub with someone watching a game of rugby and they're not interested in the rugby and your team scored a try from under their own posts with six offloads, straight under the other posts, and you turned to Big Bry and went, "Watch that! That was amazing." He'd watch it and just go, mm. "How do
0: they if, get it forwards? They pass yeah. it backwards." Ooh,
2: but if you showed him someone getting absolutely marmalized in a tackle, he'd probably be like, "That was cool." <laughs> yeah,
0: he <yeah. laughs> really would. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But even for and, football, you know, and it, it happened to football. You look at the 1990 World Cup and that Cameroon Argentina <laughs> game where there was yeah. that break and the and six Cameroonian guys tried to take away Claudio Caniggia's legs. And then you go to
1: Mate, the final 2000 the Cup. There was Argentina a, West Germany in the final of the 1990 in the final of that World Cup. Argentina yeah. basically assaulted Germany for ninety minutes. But,
0: I remember sending a clip to um, one of my, you know, Dave from the Power Shankers golf group of Man United Chelsea in the mid 2000s. And it was like a hype reel that Sky had put together for the following season's Chelsea match or the the return fixture. And it was just Nicky Butt, Paul Scholes, and a few other Man United players and a few Chelsea players, Frank LeBeuf, just kicking shit out of each other. And I said, "How many red cards would this be now?" And it'd be well, it's, it'd be five aside by the end of this. You know, it's happened to football. It's happening to rugby. And a lot of football fans, we sound like our dads now because we're like, <laughs> "Well, I don't like how football's played anymore." You know, you can't touch anyone, and that's what's happening to rugby. And ugh, I, I fear for where it's going to end up in another ten years. I, I'm not sure how it even exists in ten years.
1: Be touch and
0: sevens. God help us. I, said
2: this, I said this to George the other day we both we both just said, uh, well, we had a good run, yeah we enjoyed it. We had a good run, rugby and
0: I
1: We can always look back,
0: yeah, it just seems like like how many games had eighty plus points in this weekend, pretty much all of them, right
3: uh, yeah part part of that is because um, there's no relegation, so yeah. Teams are sticking out sides so that they wouldn't in a normal season. Do you,
0: do you uh, think that this? Do you think that this is going to affect Premiership Rugby with their ring fencing thing going forward? Because I don't.
2: No.
3: Do you think this, what will affect this? It? Is, well, oh, no, wait, this, this, this is, the, is the, what The they end want of this they. season is coming yeah, it, it, out. It,
2: it'll, be same, it'll be the same It'll be the same thought process that I was talking about earlier. They'll be like, "Oh, brilliant! Every game's finishing forty-three for eighty-three. No but point the, having any relegation."
3: The other thing is, they, the people who want to ring, ring fence it don't really care about rugby. They care about money. That's, yeah. So it doesn't really matter what happens on the pitch as long as people pay their money. But I mean,
0: yeah. Could you ever see yourself dropping down and watching Championship rugby instead of Premiership?
1: Um, yeah. If it
0: goes the same yeah. way as like ITM Cup and Super Rugby.
3: Yeah,
1: probably. Because I feel more like so. I
0: would. I'd, I'd probably, well, I don't know, Ealing are probably my nearest team now. Let's say, probably, let's say they you
3: know. ring-fence it. What's the stop? if? Let's say they ring-fence it. What's the stop if the Championship get and National 1 get 15, 20 investors come in with a chunk of money, do their own um, TV deal? Okay, it's not going to happen instantly and, and actually go with a with a tiered system where you've got promotion and relegation. It becomes a more viable product you could be in a situation where the premiership dies apart from the fact that guys like CVC are invested in it, who won't allow that to happen.
0: But yeah, I mean, for me, for me, if the premiership ring fences, the RFU should just pull all their funding. Yeah. Yeah. Pull the lot should. of it and say, well, okay, if, yeah. if England rugby has to suffer now for a few years because of this, then fine. But we're putting our money in the RFU championship and yeah. that's where we're going to pull our players. And if we have to lose a few international matches and say goodbye to super rugby, you know, fine, but I don't think that if there's a ring fence league, the RFU should put any money whatsoever into it. No, no because free. the
1: money because the money's coming from CBC, the money's coming from the PRL. It's mm. it shouldn't be RFU
0: based. Well, they're they're essentially removing themselves from the RFU pyramid, so they yeah. shouldn't shouldn't receive any of the benefits of being within that. Correct. Yeah,
1: agree. Agree entirely. And then hopefully. With that in mind, that would enable more championship rugby to be more visible, to enable it to grow. And then, you know, and then the, the whole
0: life kind of well, starts could, again. Hopefully. Realistically, if you look at premiership rugby, you look at... Sale have been nomadic. They haven't really got a home. Wasps have been all up and down the country. So have Saracens have been all around London. London Irish, Irish have been... At, up and down the country everywhere. Bristol have played in two grounds. Worcester have been up and down the leagues, but I mean, I guess they've always played at six ways. Newcastle, well, they only exist because of the money. They were Newcastle-Gosford for the money, weren't they? And they were a bit shit. Yeah, you know, so but, they
1: want, of... but they wanted a team in the north.
0: Yeah, so there's only really Quinn's, Saints-Leicester, Exeter to an extent, Bath. and Bath. That are like real, side in the wall. We come from here. This is our identity. And if you look down the pyramid, Richmond, um, Doncaster, Ely, you know all they they they're in the community. They're part of that. They're actual rugby clubs, aren't they? They're still rugby clubs at heart. And I think there's a bit more. I feel hey look, like we, a little bit more connected to that than I do these sort of premiership entities that have just sort of well, their, when, their self-interest has taken over.
3: When Ryan bit back about me taking the piss out of him last week for pretending to be Welsh, despite the fact that he's clearly English. Um, and, and the fact that I now support Exeter and I didn't support Exeter before. And he said, "Oh, do you want to go to what about Pirates games? And actually, I thought, yeah, you know what? I am going to go to more Pirates games. And when when people Ben's are allowed interested. to go, go and watch rugby matches, I'm going first game. I'll go and watch. will be a Pirates game. And, why
0: and... why Pirates and not Red Ruth? Because Pirates are a nomad club, right? They they've been all over the place, but Red Roof is from Red Ruth. or Launceston or someone like that. You know, because they're well, still national level, right?
3: Well, Launceston are on a are on a massive spiral downwards. they they've got serious issues within the club. Right.
0: Um,
3: they are. Uh, I, I think they might be the, Cor-
1: the Cornish balls. Pirates. The Cornish Pirates were always Penzance, but they did have a bit of time in Truro because there was somewhere for them to play where they were
0: trying to, trying to grow.
1: But essentially, the, the but Pirates they were two clubs,
0: right? They were born. two
2: clubs that merged. Penzance, no. Penzance, no. And, no, no. Newlin. Penzance and Newlin are li- literally right next to each other, so it was always just. Yeah. Penzance it's and always Newnan.
1: been Noonan Pirates, yeah. So
2: before they were Cornish, they
0: were Penzance and Penzance Pirates, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which bring back the which
1: Penzance. Was a very,
2: yeah. Well, I, rem- I that remember that was a marketing
1: it, thing, wasn't it? That was, yeah. that was just a uh, you know, a, a thing when when champ when the championship rugby was started to gain a bit of notoriety, when and they they literally did that for that marketing re- to try and entice people to say this is.
2: Cornwall's rugby club. Yeah. Rather well, than
1: just Penzance.
2: I, I remember when uh oh, sorry, I was gonna call them Penzance then. When Pirates and Launston were in the same league, they played at they played each other at Camborne, I think it was, or Red Ruth, one or the other. Um
0: I've done a Pirates game at Camborne, I know that much.
2: Yeah. I think this might have been at Red Ruth, actually, but um I was stood behind this um, older gentleman in his sort of nineteen sixties Penzance Newlin rugby shirt, which which you would have loved, Doug. <laughs> but if you want to look it, oh, coloured hoops. Uh, yeah, and um, he shouted out, so he shouted out, "Come on, Newlin!" I think it was, or "Come on, Penzance," or something like that. And this lady tapped him on the shoulder and went, "I think you'll find we pirates now." <laughs> and um
0: he was very polite
2: no he was very polite actually (laughs) but it it was like if looks could kill you know he was just it was just like i I,
0: I was going to ask you are there people down there that won't watch them because they're penzance like there are with
2: cardiff and newport you know there, there are people that but my dad was never interested Right. Because he was like, I didn't I didn't support Penzance, why would I suddenly start supporting the Pirates?
3: Yeah.
1: There will be diehard Red Roof fans, oh, diehard sure. Campbell fans that would know would that would, wouldn't dream of going to the Mene to watch
2: the Pirates. I mean I'd rather I'd rather go and watch Hornets play. I'd rather uh, yeah, I'd rather yeah, play. I, mean, I, yeah,
0: I think well, that's true. the
2: thing. I if if um
0: if rugby at the top level keeps going the way it's going then I think I'll drop down the drop down to the championship. Um,
3: so on, on Launceston, they sure. were national, national one 2008 and since then they've had four relegations and one promotion. So they're now South Premier to fifth tier.
1: <clears throat> I think that is, they're, they're a victim of a bit like Mounts Bay. If you remember the meteoric rise of Mounts Bay, I mean, this is getting quite niche into Cornish yeah. rugby podcasting now, in, yeah. even for us but Mounts Bay came from nowhere um, with a load of money and they had an um, unbelievable team and they got up to National 1, I think, it, at one point. Literally, in in the space of about seven seasons, they just went bang, 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 bang. Mm. And then the money dried up and they literally ceased to exist. Very, well, I mean, it's
0: very, like, so, like... My uh, Colts Club, Bishop Stortford, are now National 1. And they, when I started... With them, they were, like, level seven. And so, um,
3: um, Jimmy they to go up
0: and down and up and down, you know.
3: Jimmy Tucker was uh, a coach three or four years ago, and I was chatting to him about it, and he was saying that this was... He got got given the position off the back of back-to-back relegations, Um and and he just said that the culture in the club was... They were really struggling, and they had to almost start again, um, kind of recruit again from within Cornwall yeah. to try and the thing is, build the thing that is with culture that- right...
0: The thing with that local level stuff is you have a coach comes in, makes pals with the players, he goes to a better club, takes all his mates with him and that completely kills a club, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, although... Especially if it hasn't Jimmy, got a good youth set up.
3: Jimmy was, uh, Jimmy's Launceston through and through and was, uh, yeah, that, that's his club and, it, and he was there kind of just to to kind of stop the rot and sort things out. As much but that, that
1: happens everywhere, you know.
3: But yeah, you're right.
1: You see, like clubs like again, I've only got personal experience of this, but St Austell, St Ives, they they get a sniff of success. They find a bit of money. They start bringing players in and paying, and and all of a sudden the success comes. And then somebody a little bit bigger and a bit better comes along and takes the takes the two or three players that have progressed that little bit more than all of the others. So they then step up a level, and all of a sudden that team goes from. Being from beating everyone locally and being really competitive in a slightly more Southern counties or whatever league, you take those two, three, four players out that have progressed significantly to that standard, whereas that drag the other ones along with the lads, lads, lads and team spirit and, you know, all of the stuff that can only get you so far. And then when they go to take up an opportunity elsewhere, that team decimates how quick you know I, it happened it happened at Hornets you know to a certain extent but it happens everywhere and there are clubs in football, all, mate. all over all over the country yeah
0: like yeah you know a manager comes in brings all his mates in you get three promotions lads that have been there 10 years can't get a game so they're playing in the twos yeah and they all fuck off to a better team and you have to come in and play at a level you were never good at, good enough for and you get pumped every week
2: yeah, a lot of a lot of Cornish teams hit the wall when they get to a certain amount of travelling, don't they? And then they yeah. can't guarantee a team for away fixtures, or they'll they'll get a team out, but it won't be mm-hmm. as strong as as the, the home team, and 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 things start to fracture, then, don't they? But and that
1: that's a that's a rugby problem, isn't it? Or it's a sport problem. Like it's it's a bit of a a bit of a cancerous thing that finds its way into most clubs here or there across the country unless the leadership is as such that you know exactly what you want from your club, you know what you want your club to be, and you're happy with the way that that club's run, but you see, you know, it's all very well with it, having a great season and getting promoted and then going, you know what, let's go up and let's see what we can do, lads. The but realities the second, of it are
0: often different though. Really.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But the second, the second you start to then go, right, okay, well, we need to get we need to improve here, here and here. Fine. You know, you look to, to improve, but the minute that that culture changes from being, being that local club that supports local and the wants to, to grow and be a, a proper foundation, the clubs that do that properly and add one or two here and there, and they build steadily are the ones that are successful. The ones that come in and go, right, well, we need we need a new man, we'll get a new manager or a new coach, and then he'll bring we'll in a load of players. Two overseas guys in, yeah. And it's not just rugby, you, know, you say it's football, it's, it's everywhere, It's cricket yeah. happens everywhere. And uh, you know, that's how Russ
3: ended up playing at Perrinport.
1: Well, yeah, you bring in the big guns, <laughs> um, <laughs> fat Ben Stokes. Fat ben. <laughs> I mean, I've been called a fat Wayne Rooney, a fat Dan Cole, and a fat Ben Stokes. So, you know, we completing the trifecta.
3: There's a there's a common theme there.
2: Ben but- Stokes is absolutely raging on the on the off chance he listens to this podcast.
1: <laughs> I've just been Ben Stokes just been compared to a middle-aged ginger bald man oh, Fat the <laughs> first then. No, fuck <laughs> fuck on. I, I absolutely
3: Oh, I can guarantee, Russ, you would review every time, given the option.
0: Oh, you'd be a terrible reviewer, reviewer, (laughs) Russ. (laughs) I'm not a
1: reviewer, reviewer, mate. I'd shout at the umpire, smash the stumps over me, bat, and walk off. Because you can't do what
0: you do in golf and just go, I just won't count that one going out of bounds. Mulligan. (laughs) (laughs) A mulligan in cricket. Yeah, only hit one of the stumps, it don't count. (laughs) Amazing. I mean But yeah, so, Wales, France though, eh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. amazing. So
1: as as it transpires, we've just been talking for an hour um about absolutely nothing in particular. And we didn't really talk about Wales, France. We haven't really or, or
3: Scotland, about, France.
1: Oh yeah, Scotland, France. <laughs> we also well we, That was yeah, a good game as well, wasn't it? <laughs> we talked about Wales France last week. Um we haven't really talked about any premiership games because well Northampton put 60 points on, on Worcester
0: like bring ring, ring fencing blah 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 it, cards, Worcester blah. seem like they've their coach has left and taken their entire front row with him <laughs>
2: yeah
0: well, you may as well have done mate don't matter <laughs> and they bought and
1: they bought in Chris Ashton to replace him I mean how that, how that cunt still manages to get a gig is beyond me. I don't get it uh, it's, and quite, probably... it's
0: quite funny actually because this conversation we're having that we've had about lower league rugby I was playing with two lads that play for Ickenham Rugby Club today oh, right. playing golf with them Erin um, and Aaron and uh, <laughs> not just playing with them not, I- not Ikenham,
3: chance,
0: so... Ikenham were were um, apparently quite good once and then they lost their entire front row and did a Worcester and got relegated a load so happens everywhere yeah
1: um... oh fuck Lost, but, lost
3: but this is what we've got to look forward to in ring fencing as you get halfway through the season and four sides start thinking about what's happening next year. Yeah, season. I
0: don't know how we do a podcast about Premiership Rugby if this is the kind of product we serve because I I don't care about these games, do you?
3: Well, Exeter don't care because they're pretty much secured in the top four. So what they'll do is they'll rest a load of players and then they'll, uh, they'll build it up for the last four or five weeks so that they're all firing come the the semi-finals. Bristol are running on a high and they'll keep doing what they do. And the rest of them are just... Yeah. But
1: that's the thing, isn't it? So you've got Bristol now who are comfortably... They could, they could play their under-12s for the next seven games and mm-hmm. still probably qualify for, for the top four. Exeter, Sale and Quins then at 49, 46, 45. Northampton on 41. London Irish are on 40. Like you just say, Phil, Exeter will... Will manage their squad now. You know they'll probably they'll say right. We've got seven games left. You know we've got Europe that nobody seems to care about for the next two weeks. So bear. So for all of the shit Premiership chat that we haven't done, we've got a shit European competition to look forward to. As well. Oh, we like can just get now.
0: together and talk about other stuff.
1: Yeah, That's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and you just think, well, X to, X to win four of seven games. They're going to get a home semi-final. That's yeah. You know, and they can afford to play. I mean, you look at that team. You were there, Doug, on Friday. That was, you know, a largely Gloucester first team. They brought back Atkinson, Reece Sammet, Johnny May. And Exeter literally played.
0: It took them all the way. For it, they argument's sake, it. an academy side. Yeah. I, I don't know, you know, I, I really don't know where, where the premiership's going. Like, it'll be interesting to see how Saracens fit into all this when they come back up. Because then you've got three teams playing for two home semi-finals.
3: And they've got some work what, to do if they want to get up. But are
0: Saracens guaranteed to be as good as they were? Because they're not going to have the squad they had.
3: No,
1: and that's where you've got to ask yourself another question: is that when it, when it comes to all of these teams that have built their squads international time? When when you take all of those, all of that stardust out of the Saracens team, what are they actually left with?
0: Yeah, I mean, they're they're le- two, they, with- they literally had two internationals at every position and they're not going to have that when they come back up. So I think they may fall back into being like a sale kind of level team that can beat anyone but can also lose to anyone. It'll be interesting to see whether they're that level or if they're going to be Bristol-Exeter level because B- Bristol just seem to be like Exeter in that their system overcomes any sort of drop-off in their team.
1: And they've, they, at Bristol have accumulated uh, an incredible squad of players, like an unbelievable squad of players. And I know there's a, you know, I, I um, have no, I don't really give a fuck about the salary cap as such, like, uh, with regards to not the fact that Saracens broke it, but the fact that actually, what does it matter to anybody anymore, really? You know Bristol have got a lot of money,
0: they seem to have all of these players, but they found a way of doing it. I, yeah, but I don't think they've got a lot of players. It's like Pat Lamb said, mate. I, I think they have got a lot of players at value. You look at Morahan, Purdy, O'Connor, yeah, Sheedy, they've all developed into great players. They aren't paying them great player yeah.
1: money, no. But then you've got Luatua, um, Pier, Pier Tows, you've got, um, Nathan Hughes, you've got... Um, I mean, F- John Foer has just signed a money. new contract today, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, but he, won't mean,
0: be, it, mate, he won't be on top money. He's, he's old as fuck.
1: No, but it might be that they restructured his contract and are now paying him less just to keep him on yeah. the books. But you and, go
0: down a level, they've got a lot of kids, mate, that have come up from the academy. I don't, Saracen's yeah, but, literally had an international rugby player at every position twice. Yeah.
3: But a lot of those came through the
0: academy at Saracens as well. To, yeah, but they were all finish. on second contracts. So they weren't on academy well, contracts.
3: And, and I think that's I think that's potentially the point that Bristol are going to hit at some point. Is,
2: yeah, well, they're going to have to Shidi, pay
3: Sheedy. Sheedy's not going to hang around past his current contract because he's going to want to play for Wales. So he's going to go to to a, a Welsh region. Um and but there's yeah there's players there on on academy or post academy contracts who are either going to want to renegotiate a, a much higher pay rise, or are good, just going to have to be let go because all of a sudden their uh, their salary counts towards the salary cap, and that's that's effectively where Exeter have been for the last four or five years. You see some of the names leaving Exeter, and you go Christ, he's a he's a valuable member of the squad. Why is he left? And he's left because they've run out of their academy contract time and they've yeah. got to go on to man- manage that salary cap and yeah. Bristol will get there.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't think Siali, uh, uh, Piatal not not on a lot of money I wouldn't have thought. So you've got Piatal in the backs and you've got Well, you um, surely um, Randrande, Randrande, Randrande. Who, Yeah, so th- there's two players that are probably on very good money, but then everyone else, Prothero plays uh-huh. on the wing, doesn't he? That Nalago, he won't be on a lot of cash. Yeah, Adi
1: Alokan.
3: Char- yeah. Charlie's on a million, but what, what Charlie Peartown's on is irrelevant because he's a marquee player. So it doesn't yeah. count towards your cap anyway.
0: Yeah. I, I don't have the same sort of, like when Saracen signed Daly and Williams.
3: Yeah. Yeah. In one yeah. Off
0: season, and you were like, I mean, come on. There's like that. That was essentially the drug dealer. Who's got loads of money, but is keeping it, on the low, going out and buying a Ferrari. It's like, I always wondered about you, mate, but you are definitely a drug dealer because yeah. I know you and you're thick as mints that you're <laughs> buying a Ferrari and you're never at work. That's what Saracens did. And also, you've
2: just offered to sell me drugs. Yeah, you know? and, yeah, and I yeah. love drug <laughs> or also, 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 I've just bought drugs from you. <laughs> yeah.
0: So they're, they're basically, they're, they're basically um, Pablo Escobar when he bought the zoo. The backyard. Did, um,
2: <laughs> did you hear about his hippos? Oh, no. Escobar. Yeah. So I mean, Ciali... we're, 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 we're,
1: we're disappearing
0: down a very straight <laughs> yeah, Ciali Piertau's hippos. I don't know five. if Ciali,
2: Ciali Piertau has got any hippos, but Pablo Escobar had a, hippos in his zoo and they've escaped into what it's not the amazon but whatever the river in Colombia is and um they're like ruining the ecosystem basically (laughs) so the government are gonna they the government want to cull them but the locals love the hippos so there's like (laughs) massive like protests against the government for trying to kill the hippos what
0: is there like hundreds of hippos now
2: i think i don't know if it's hundreds but it's dozens you know and
0: <laughs> i mean dozens of hippos is yeah. probably
2: enough right yeah it's yeah. a lot of hippos isn't it
0: yeah they're quite one hippo in the thames you're like cute 12 <laughs> yeah. hippos getting out of the thames and smashing up parliament street I, yeah as i said it'd liven up the boat race wouldn't it i mean <laughs> yeah.
1: that's that's a lot of sort of tonnage of hippo as well isn't it, it yeah. in comparison yeah. to you know, I mean, are they good 50, eating? could you
0: could you, could, could you like farm them for their
2: fillets I think you can eat them, can't you? They? Because they're quite closely related to horses.
3: You can eat whatever you like. Yeah. Maybe
2: we should uh, put that on the, the FRD group,
0: see if someone could come up with a recipe for roast <laughs> hippo thigh or something.
2: Barbecued
1: hippo. It'd
2: be quite fatty, might. I'd imagine.
1: Yeah. yeah. It'd be quite tough exteriorly as well, Yeah, it? you'd yeah. have
2: to braise it, wouldn't you?
1: It would be a slow cook. You know, one of the, <laughs> a winter warmer. <laughs> Twelve-hour hippo road.
2: thigh <laughs> <laughs> Over a bed of there's white There's
1: the postcard the podcast title. Twelve-hour hippo thigh, amazing.
3: Um, I mean, so she- while you've been talking about hippos, I've been doing a bit bit of digging, and I reckon that semi's on about six hundred thousand pounds a year.
1: He's going to be not included in the salary cap though, either, is no. he? Or is, no. Is
2: it us? I'm, I'm sorry. Were we t- were we talking about rugby or were we talking about hippos? <laughs> they're, they're known locally as the cocaine hippos. <laughs> <laughs> episode, like, do they, so do they, they deal as well?
0: <laughs> <laughs> cocaine hippos.
2: Um, if we call it cocaine hippos, right? People are going to find this podcast and think this is have- a, this is a this no. is a we, jolly. We, this will be a jolly bringing new
0: people to the pod and and it's It's just us for whinging for an hour (laughs) and
1: we're basically
0: we're basically the
1: PRL of podcast of rugby podcasts
0: I'm not Paul Morgan called it
1: (laughs) no (laughs) me either
3: (laughs) Uh, equally they reckon Lua 2 is on 650 so (laughs) Stop, Stop bringing your
0: facts in in this to this hippo him. podcast, Phil. <laughs> well, Nobody no, cares. Just...
3: Yeah, you're right, actually. Sorry. Talk to me about these cocaine hippos.
0: <laughs> I mean, you are out p- of they what? <laughs> I like that one. Are they just sitting in a river chatting really loudly
2: and obnoxiously?
1: <laughs> oh, they're right. They, you know,
2: oh, no. really, really not. wide-eyed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's um, 80 to 120 cocaine hippos.
1: <laughs> I mean that's more than that's more than a couple of dozen isn't it
2: but no, without it's... without a cull they could reach over 1400 by 2034
3: yeah but that's
1: so that's,
2: like, that's like
3: saying with with no breeding control humans could hit <laughs> I mean, 22 million in the next 5 I years mean, it's not going to happen
1: with the best of luck Phil please uh please go well in uh, Getting some hippo breathing control. Can Do you mind if I just delete the first
2: hour and eight minutes of this podcast?
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm, really... I'm sorry.
2: I am sorry. But the man that has been castrating the hippos it's from Colombia way. is called Carlos Valderrama. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Is he being ably assisted by Rene Hakita?
2: <laughs> Could you imagine him just trying to castrate them with his heels just like spinning forward? And and... He scorpion
0: kicks them, don't he? Yeah, that's what scorpion. I mean. That's,
2: that's it. That's what it was called. Yeah. Who
0: was, the key, who was the
1: Colombian footballer that got shot dead after scoring an own goal? Um,
0: Pat, that was Escobar, wasn't it? Andreas He's... Escobar. Yeah, he was called Escobar. Andreas Escobar. <laughs> Yeah, God, another unfortunate Escobar death. Yeah, he found it too tricky, didn't he? What's the football <laughs> equivalent of that? Collapsing a mall and giving away a penalty try in the World Cup, and then having some drug dealer take you in, out in the
1: in the group stage. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It'd be fr- throwing an interception, wouldn't it? Yeah, you threw an interception against uh, Uruguay.
3: Is it is it not um is it not Liam Williams diving over the top and getting a yellow card in the game against France? Because that's the way the entire of Welsh Twitter
0: has responded. <laughs> Include, you can including, just imagine Josh from Blood and Mud like well, waiting outside his house to cap him. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you
0: don't what, have with, to imagine with,
3: it with,
0: <laughs> with his really harsh tongue.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Give him a good tongue lashing.
0: Right, Liam, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you down with my acerbic wit.
1: I, uh, oh God! I heard that uh, he doubled down, you know, on his uh, on his Liam Williams um, is oh. at fault for everything on the Blood and Mud list last week on let's, their Patreon.
0: Let's, B- let's B- not get into other podcasts. He okay. Doubled down? No, I want to hear this.
1: Oh uh, yeah, apparently doubled down on the on why he thought that he wasn't at fault for that whole situation. Um,
0: apologise, man. Yeah.
1: I mean the irony, the irony of of saying a lot of what people say, and I will caveat and I will basically I I will move the egg chasers to one side from here because they're good guys, right? And I will just having interacted with them properly, spoken to them, met them, right? We'll move them to one side. If you are going to tell people what they think, don't then register your podcast on Patreon and make them pay for it as well. It's the... I don't know if I made any sense there,
3: but... You, you did, but I think it was probably at too high a level for uh, for a lot of our... Uh,
1: I just think our, they're, you know...
3: From panel. From being,
1: from being told on Twitter by one of them who writes fucking pithy one-liners for The Guardian in, in live chat. And then... The other one, who is the most virtuous cunt on Twitter, um, that you're not allowed to disagree with them. Otherwise, you know, you're basically a dickhead. There's no reasoned debate or, or explanation. It's just you either agree or you're a dick. Um, and then you make people pay for a podcast that it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand.
3: I think what you're basically saying is what you don't want is somebody to give you an opinion that you have to have and then to pay for the privilege of it as well.
0: Being told what you think. Yeah. 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 But
2: let's listen anyway, listen let's get
0: Gorilla Chat, uh, uh, Hippo Chat. For hippo, chat. Yeah.
2: hippo
0: Chat. Yeah. Colombian Hippo he- Chat.
1: Ben's just uh, sent us a YouTube video, and I think what we'll do is we will link uh, that YouTube into our Twitter. <laughs>
3: so yeah we're, we're we're the source of all um shaving related humor cocaine yeah. cocaine wild animals and basically anything other than rugby i analysis. think we
0: should be proud of the fact that we are the rugby podcast that contains the least amount of rugby chat
3: <laughs> well i think we're hitting well, mind our, you, Eddie's um...
0: up there
2: any we're hitting Eddie, our mission statement of wait till kind of pub-based rugby chat. Wait till Eddie <laughs> hears about the cocaine hippos. I mean, <laughs> Eddie's got he's close.
1: Him. He's close enough to <laughs> Colombia to go and visit.
0: It wouldn't surprise me if he went to try and lasso one. <laughs> Drag it back to Albuquerque. He wouldn't need to lasso it; just pick it up. See the size of his arms. Just I mean, grab it in uh, a headlock. Crocodile, roll it out of the river. Knock it out and drag it back to Utah or wherever he lives. Do
3: you think? Do you think the US oh. customs customs enforcement people have cottoned on to all these hippos getting shipped across to the states from Colombia? Might be <laughs> might be tr- full of something people else. Them and
0: sniffing them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, the the hippos are filled with cocaine.
0: Should we uh, yeah. having had a shock with the length of the head? chasers podcast Should we maybe think about wrapping this up but...
1: let's, let's do it now <laughs> let's do it now we've we've stopped talking about rugby a long time ago um
3: so why not it's been an hour long anyway. i mean i
1: want i want yeah i wanted to talk a, a, a little bit about the the officiated and the amount of cards but i kind of we kind of done
2: that to death didn't we in in a different way than what Yeah, we only, we only did that for about an hour and 10 minutes
0: yeah we, and we don't need to micro analyze every single card do we no. no, they were all marginally ridiculous. I think a lot of them. I don't mind cards for repeated penalties, but some of the stuff that's getting carded now is, you know, yeah. And
1: Craig Maxwell Keys is still
0: a joy vacuum,
1: utter, utter, utter bellwether. Uh, Christoph with ridley, Christoph Widley. Widley. um, Christoph Ridley <laughs> is.
3: That's <laughs> that's a, that's well, a name.
0: For that's the life a nickname, isn't it? Stuff Widley, do we, do oh, we we? this week, um, and and even Carl Dixon.
1: You know they are. they literally... two of the
0: fussiest touch judges I've ever seen. They they made so many penalty decisions at the weekend. It was laughable. Yeah, like, some of the ones for there was one for jumping across the line out and touching an arm. He barely, barely anyway Let's, yeah we
1: other than other than cocaine hippos does anybody have any any other business <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I,
0: I think I think I've done enough yeah I mean Russ and I we both played golf today I played two rounds thirty six holes um still undergoing treatment for sciatica, so tomorrow's going to be fun
3: I, I played a bit of golf today as well. Hit about really? 40 balls in the garden with my sandwich. Nice. And Phil's garden
1: is like fucking 20 acres. Yeah, and I then, bet Phil hits a long ball
0: though, doesn't he?
3: Belted uh, four three-irons over the fields with the horses in.
0: You, yeah, I bet you hit a long ball, Phil, right?
3: Yeah, ish. Yeah. It's never straight. <laughs>
1: And uh, yeah, I I also obviously I play golf badly, new clubs, excellent. My golf bad. Hmm. And for the record, Doug is wearing quite a, a lavish uh, Jay Lindenberg golf top. And for those that you know golf, uh, that makes him a pretentious prick. <laughs> so uh...
0: <laughs> you stick to your Under Armour, mate. Whatever. I don't wear Under Armour, mate.
1: It's not for me. <laughs> just, a, just a standard foot joy, man. See where, see where it goes. I, feel, I believe it's a little bit
0: more forgiving for the more discerning. Yeah, they, they cater for the wider belly.
1: <laughs> for the more discerning gentlemen.
0: <laughs> anyway, uh,
1: Ben, have you got anything uh, else? They have little
0: sweat-wicking devices under the tits, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> woven,
1: woven fabric <laughs> by Vietnamese uh, sweatshop children.
2: Um, Russ, I've I just triggered a fifteen minute conversation about cocaine hippos. I think I've done enough.
3: <laughs> Phil, no, nothing that won't wait. Okay,
2: uh, make sure you all
1: go check out the uh, the Manscaped website for personal grooming
0: needs. Um, I've seen some of the people that listen to this pod, and they could definitely do with buying one. Hundred percent, hairy fuckers, <laughs> all of you.
3: Have you seen their ball sacks as well? <laughs>
0: well it's just an assumption based on okay. the amount of hair that's on display on the the head the shoulders and above what you're doing is you're on the lower you're, net. you're
1: extrapolating yeah. hair that you can see and making an assumption based on yeah like
0: like with you Russ you've got nothing on top of your head but your face is really hairy so clearly there is a mound of just ginger pubic hair waiting to be
2: shown <laughs> sure.
3: You think, you think Russ is like a Christmas tree in, in hair dimensions. It just gets thicker and longer before the gown the <laughs> I mean,
1: yeah. Phil. It's like I shearing is, a
3: you, red, de- a red
1: Devon. You got no, you've got no room to come at me when it comes to body hair as you are one of, or, you know, previous to this last week or so, one of the hairiest individuals I have ever met in my life, um, thanks i've got to say as a a,
0: a triumvirate you three are all very hairy i can't grow a neck beard just can't do it but i have an exceptionally thick thatch (laughs) (laughs) took a significant amount of work and i've got to say manscape made it easy made it easy glided through it like it wasn't there. hot knife through butter
3: Historically, it's been grooming's a bit like uh, smashing your way through the Amazon rainforest with a blunt machete. <laughs> but with Manscaped, <laughs> it's like swiping the Amazon down ready to plant fair, a field of soil. Exactly.
0: And in, in, in previous incarnations, you use your Mrs. Leg Razor, don't you? Because they're never yeah. going to know. You're not going to mess up your own one. And it like, no. cuts and it stings.
1: And I, you use
3: dog, big... I use the dog clippers to start with. <laughs>
1: And now he's no and now he's got no need because he's got a beautiful lawnmower yep. from manscaped.com. And if and you want
0: one difficult to get in the little bit between your thighs, but it's not just, just stick one leg up on the bath and, and you
1: know what <laughs> I, you know what I really like about it, and this is genuine. I like the little torch yes. that gets the that enables you so it, it's got a little torch on it, so when you're shaving, you can see exactly where you're shaving in the mirror or down below or whatever. I'll, I'll that is only, a great um, feature. The thing that's
3: revolutionised it for me is the ball deodorant afterwards.
2: That, supple. They're supple True. now. i did it's... like the nose trimmer that Pat McAfee gets on his on his adverts. To be fair, he's probably selling more than we're going. Yeah, now, he isn't. is. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. But
1: if you man, want one, man of my age, and if you but if you want one and you want to help Ben reach his goal of a manscape nose hair trimmer. <laughs> Go on to the website and I know Matt will do this for you because he loves you. But oh, go on to yeah, the website man. at manscaped.com and use the code MALLOVER20 because that will get you 20% off uh, Manscaped products at manscaped.com.
0: So yeah, enjoy it. And we know you need them. Every single one of you. Yeah. Rugby Saracens. I've met him. Hairy dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not,
1: as, not as hairy as the Rugby Bath Man, if I remember rightly. Um. But yeah, there you go. And that doesn't exist anymore, really. Did you know about that? The, the yeah, United, sad, United, sad United times. United geezers they gave up. That's unfortunate.
0: Richard, because rugby's uh, been invaded by twats.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Not, at, at all levels. Yeah. Um, and on that note, let's, let's go, shall we? We'll, we'll come back next week. Um, the likelihood is we probably won't talk a lot about European rugby. Um, so we might find some other stuff to talk about.
0: Probably pubes.
1: Pubes. <laughs> <laughs> what? What we won't talk about for an hour is manscaping. How about that?
0: Well, well surely we will talk about it for a bit.
1: Yeah, we absolutely for a bit. Yeah, yeah. but just not. For Aren't an we contractually hour an
0: hour. obliged? No, contractually
1: it's... obliged. What we, <laughs> what we will do is we will do some sort of little question and answer. But what, what I want, and if you're still listening at this point congratulations what i want to do next week nowhere, really. well yeah what i want to do next week and it's just popped in, is literally an, an ask us anything so if you're listening and you want to know our thoughts yes. on any other subject anything literally anything right and use the hashtag ask anything and then we can find them Maybe we should have week. gone with that that's, at the
3: start of the podcast. That's, that's Ask Mo Anything.
1: Ask Mo anything. That's not Mo in Mo Ali. Or, or Mo Salah. Farrah. Or Mo Salah. Or Mo Farah. Um or Mo, Mo Hudson, Johnson. Or, or or Mo, Bamba Mo Bamba for the Mo Mo, Mo Mo, Mo <laughs> <laughs> You win. Mo. <laughs> <Bye, bye. laughs> <laughs> who uh who's, on, who's a guest on next week's podcast
0: <laughs> can we please tweet mo molan to get her on
2: isn't she dead
0: yes. <laughs> sure she is. i think she's dead <laughs> let's have a look i i bet there's an app mo molan
3: oh uh, no um, she she died
0: yeah it's not 16 her. years ago
1: yeah <laughs> oh well, there you go um so yeah ask mo anything Uh, And we will do our very best to answer it next week. So we'll do a non-rugby based podcast and it will literally be as random as you can think of. It will be as random as cocaine hippos, um, provided you guys ask some questions. And we we resolve to answer every question that gets asked.
3: Whoa, 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 whoa. That we can within the time scale. I'm well, not. I'm not doing like a five-hour. No, 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 no,
1: no. But we, we well, we're we, getting we were, close
3: to it today.
1: We <laughs> can answer <laughs> any question that you like, um, but it might just be quick. So we'll we'll answer any questions. hashtag Ask MO anything, and we'll do that next week.
2: Okay. And if we don't,
1: and if we don't get any questions,
0: it'll be your fault, and we will literally just talk about anything. And well no. If we don't get any questions, not only will it be their fault, but we'll have to talk about European rugby.
1: Yeah,
0: true. Nobody wants us to do that.
1: Yeah, that's that's a fact. I mean, people don't want to talk about normal rugby, but we still do. Occasionally. All
3: right, I think we're done.
1: Yeah, yeah. we are done. <laughs> now we're just talking. We're just talking words. Um, see you next week. Uh, Go well.